Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Um, so let's get to tonight's event, uh, the book we're here to celebrate, Twice Upon a Time, and its author, James Riley. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, as I'm sure most of you know, you're probably already fans um, of Half Upon a Time. This is the long-awaited, or I guess not that long, just no, awaited, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly, sequel. Um, and I'm sure all of you already know how much fun these books are. Uh, I just want to say I'm personally a fan, and um, Half Upon a Time has been one of our um, best sellers for our middle reader section for the last couple of years. It's yeah. done very well for us. So help me give a warm welcome to one of our favorite local authors, James Riley. Hi. Hi. This is probably going to work really well. Uh, thank you all for coming. Aw, there are more people who I know. Um, I'm going to be reading some from Twice Upon a Time, which is probably not that longly awaited. Uh, I'm going to try to avoid any spoilers in case anyone hasn't read or seen or heard of the other book or this one. Uh, but basically these are fractured fairy tales that are supposed to be funny. So please, for the love of God, laugh. Um, so I'm going to read first and then maybe do some question and answers in case anyone here doesn't know me. Uh, and then hopefully we can sell some books for Skylight, which is a great independent local bookstore who we all love. Uh, and this is not a great time to be a great independent local bookstore. So uh, giving them support would be nice. So uh, we'll do that later. So I guess I'll just start reading some. Uh, I'm going to try to set this up a little bit. Ooh, I like that. Um, without giving away too much. This will basically... The, the, I can't really give away where this book starts. Um, but this is going to be sort of a metaphor for Neverland a little bit, uh, involving the Pied Piper, if that makes any sense. Um, so my three main characters come to this door in the Pied Piper's cave, uh, and a middle-aged man opens it. Can you stop with the horrible music, please, he said, shaking his head. If you wanted in, why didn't you just knock? Uh, May said, and glanced first at the middle-aged man, then at his clothes, and then at Jack and Philip. I'm not the only one seeing this, right? May's um just about summed it up, but their only options were creepy adult or death by monster. Jack paused, weighing both choices, then sighed. Death by monster would be quicker, but he wouldn't be able to live with himself, literally. <laughs> May we come in, Jack asked the man, who was bobbing his head in boredom. Why, of course, the man said, giving him an odd look. Everyone's welcome in the land of never. May stopped. Please tell me that's not what I think that is, because I'm not flying to the first, second, or third star on the right, and I don't care who's behind us. 
Stars, the man said with confusion. No, I said, it's the land of never. Here you never grow old, you never get old, or you never grow up, you never get old, never hungry, never bored, never wear age-appropriate clothing, Jack muttered. It's like a dream, the man finished. They glanced at the man, then at one another, and all three sighed. Crazy man it was. Phil pushed May in through the stone doorway, then followed Jack a second later, and the man pulled the stone shut just as the goblin voices began shouting excitedly on the other side. They'd gotten in just in time, it sounded like. Jack turned to thank their savior, then lost his train of thought when he saw where they were. Oh my, Philip said, as speechless as the prince ever seemed to get. We could just give up and stay here, you know, May said, her voice quiet. Jack just nodded, not sure how serious she was, and not really wanting to find out. Because if she were serious, he had a sinking feeling he'd be perfectly willing to stay here for the rest of his life. Nice, huh? The fat man said, smiling almost shyly. Nice didn't sum up the river of chocolate that several enormously fat middle-aged men and women were drinking from. Nice didn't do justice to the rainbow that other chubby men and women slid down, landing with joyful shrieks and piles of fluffy white clouds. And Nice definitely didn't fit the mountains of gold and silver coins that a few of the men and women were tossing up and letting hit them on the head. It's everything your heart desires, the man told them. We have chocolate rivers, the dirt is made out of cookie crumbs, and it rains gumdrops. I hope you learned your lesson at the witch's house, May whispered to Jack. I really hope I didn't, he whispered back absently. Philip, have you ever heard of the land of never? I have not, Philip said, watching with disgust as a 400-pound man jogged by, chasing what looked to be a swarm of cakes with tiny little wings flying just out of his reach. The jogging, unfortunately, was causing tiny earthquakes of fat to ripple all, all around the man's overweight body. Me either, Jack said, and I really don't like not knowing what I'm getting into. There's a fountain in the middle of town that shoots toys into the air, not water, the man said, skipping forward in front of them, clearly not listening to their conversation. Our beds tell us stories as we fall asleep, and that's only if you want to sleep. The sun never sets in the land of never if we don't want it to. Kind of like a summer in the Arctic, May suggested. The man crinkled <laughs> Sorry. The man crinkled his nose. You're weird. You're weird, she shouted. Shut up, he told her, his fist balled up at his sides. Don't make fun of me. Then don't come at me with all that stupid, she yelled back. The man fumed, apparently trying to think of something to say in return, but finally just smiled. Oh well, he said, it's hard to stay angry in the land of never. And you know the best part? The ill-fitting clothing, May asked. You never get any older, the man said proudly. We never grow up. We were all kids when we got here, and that was years and years ago, like 30 or 40. But we never aged a day. The man dropped a hand into the chocolate river, then pulled it out and sucked on his fingers as Jack slowly backed away from him, grabbing May and Philip as he went. Uh, Jack said, everyone else sees a chubby older guy in his 40s, right? <laughs> You've, thanks. You, for, you forgot insane in that description, May said. Perhaps we should not remain here long, Philip suggested, his hand resting on his sword. If these people truly believe they are children, there may be some magic at work. Want some? The man asked, holding up a hand covered in chocolate. I'm going to go with never, May said. <laughs> so the piper brought you all here? Yep, the man said. He saved us from having to grow up into mean old adults. Adults have responsibilities, he said, like paying their debts. Here, there's no responsibility at all. That's a big word for such a little kid, Jack told him. I'm pretty smart, the man confided. <laughs> I can see that, Jack said, winking at the man. And someone as smart as you probably knows all the ways in and out of the land of never, doesn't he? Of course, the man said, beaming. I like to be the gatekeeper and let, any, let in anyone who knocks. Do a lot of people knock? May asked him. You're the first, he told her proudly. And I was there waiting. That's just the most amazing story we've ever heard, May told him. You're the bestest, but we can't stay. Where's another one of those doors? Preferably one that opens in the direction we're going? The eastern coast, Philip told him. That's where the pirates are from, the man said. Pirates? Jack asked. There aren't any pirates. Not anymore. 
Now, since the mermen started terrorizing the oceans, of course they're pirates, stupid, the man told him, shaking his head as he somehow irritated Jack more and more with every word. We fight them sometimes whenever we're feeling adventurous. There's never any end to the things to do in the land of never. That's just a super fun story, May said. Now, where's that way out again? <laughs> way out? The man looked confused. Now, the gates only come in. Once you enter the land of never, you can never leave. Let's try that again, May said, her voice lowering dangerously. Because if I thought for a minute that there really wasn't a way out of here, I'd kick your behind back to age seven for real. The man looked scared. Stop being mean. I just told you, you can't leave, so you might as well get used to it. Why would you even want to? Okay, we're done here, May said. We don't have time for this. You have plenty of time for this, the fat man told her. You can't leave. Jack and Philip both had to grab May before she punched him. We'll just go out the way we came in, Jack grunted as he restrained May. Can't, the, mace, the man said with a smug smile. It's one way. Some of the kids tried it first, but it never worked. Where is here, Philip asked. He glanced up at the sky above them. Obviously, we're not in the Piper's cave anymore. It was some kind of magic teleporting, the man said. Lots of doors lead here, but none lead out. Well, unless our leader says you can go, of course. Your leader? May asked. Is he a 70-year-old who thinks he's 18? Don't be stupid, stupid, the man, with a sneer, the man said with a sneer, forcing Jack and Philip to grab May again. King Pan is a boy, just like me. But unlike me, he's being held by big, nasty pirates. The man seemed to consider that for a second. Maybe it's time to go rescue him. Sounds like a plan, Jack said, still struggling to hold on to May. We'll rescue your king from pirates, and they'll thank us by letting us out. Yay, the man yelled, not, then turned around. Hey, everybody, we're going to go on an adventure to rescue King Pan from the pirates. Come on. All around, the middle-aged adults popped out of the oddest places. <laughs> Some were covered in chocolate from swimming in the river, their candy-filled stomachs rippling as they ran toward the group, squealing in joy. Two others rode up on rocking horses, the horses neighing loudly. One even dropped from the sky after flying in on a pair of wings attached to shoulder straps. Good idea, Icky, the gatekeeper said. We'll fly over to the pirate ship. Get more wings. Yes, sir, the man with wings said and flew off for more. Pirates, one of the adults yelled. It will be an epic battle, shouted a second. I like their monkey, a third said. Monkeys are funny, the first one said. I've literally never been more irritated in my entire life, May told Jack loudly. They're just kids, he said, then thought about what he said and shuddered. Who are these older kids? One of the adult women asked. We are here on an adventure, Philip told the woman politely. Apparently, even the prince's patience was perfect, as he seemed to have no trouble keeping his manners in the midst of all the creepiness. His answer sent a wave of excitement splashing through the adults, and the questions doubled. What's the adventure? Where are you going? Where are you from? Are you fighting any dragons? Are you fighting any pirate monkeys? And then, worst of all, one of the adults began to sing. I'm not going to sing. No. No. Uh, I need to figure out this. Here we are without a slip, off to attack a pirate ship. Pirate ship! Pirate ship! Two others began singing along. Off to attack a pirate ship! May looked at Jack, her eyes filled with horror. Join us now, don't be a dip. Come along to the pirate ship, the first one sang. Pirate ship! Pirate ship! The rest of the adults chimed in. Come along to the pirate ship! Oh, no you are not, May exploded. I cannot take another second of this. Stop singing! She turned to the adults who had gone absolutely quiet and were now all cowering pathetically in front of her. You are adults. You are not children anymore. The adults looked at one another, one or two beginning to cry. What are you talking about, one said. We're still kids. Look at us. Look at our clothes. This, all of this, it's not real, May shouted. You're living here, pretending you're still kids, acting like you're still kids, acting like time is standing still, but it's obviously not. May, there's probably some magic, Phil began, but she interrupted him. I don't even care, Phil, but it's time for these kids to grow up. They're sitting here living a dream, but it's, it's not real. You can't stay a kid forever, and you have to move on. I don't care how happy your life is. If it's not real, then it's worthless. Jack sighed. This wasn't about the adults.
A tear rolled down May's face, soon followed by more, but that just made a few of the adults point and laugh. Oh, you did not just do that, May said, leaping for the nearest giggling adult. Five minutes later, Jack, Philip, and May stood alone, the adults having run off in terror. Perhaps we should return to finding our way out by rescuing their king, Philip said, pointing at the beach just ahead. Off in the bay, the sun shone on a large wooden ship, flying a black flag with a happy, smiling skull. From on board, a group of friendly pirates waved at them, gesturing for them to come over. Have I mentioned how messed up all this is, May asked. A few times, Jack said. Those aren't even close to pirates. It's just like the rest of this land, Philip said, staring in confusion at the kid-friendly pirate ship. It's life from a child's perspective. I don't care whose perspective they're from, May told them. I just want to way out to the boat so King Whatever can let us back to the real world. Or, you know, the messed up version we were just in. There's no boat or anything, Jack said, pointing at the shore. And we obviously can't swim. Why not, May asked. Philip and Jack both turned and stared in surprise. Mermen, they said in unison. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Didn't we cover this already, May asked with a sigh. Yeah, we saw some creepy stuff in the river near Malevolence Castle, but that was it. And why would you think there are mermen here anyway? I don't think there are mermen here, Jack said, his voice cracking. He pointed down at the shore. I think there are mermaids. There, just off the beach, were three mermaids sunning themselves on rocks. The prettiest, prettiest vicious killers Jack had ever seen. Um, so I might skip forward a little bit. I know. So as to not get into too much spoiler stuff. Okay. So basically, yeah, thanks. So the spell kind of is removed. So people who were previously a little more friendly are now not, including these mermaids. Um, two mermaids track Jack further underwater as the last one watched to see if there was anyone following them, probably to keep, any, keep someone from sharing their meal. Let me go, Jack yelled, and just like before, it was as if he were speaking in air, not underwater. He also can breathe underwater at this point. The mermaids' tears are really something. Not that there seemed to be any danger of the mermaids crying, not, mermaids crying now, unless they were sad from their stomach aches after eating him whole. Oh, stop struggling, the blonde said as, he, as she dragged him down. One mer, one mer person is as strong as three of you people, or four of you specifically, the brunette said from his other arm, shaking her head in disgust. I get it, Jack said. You're going to try to kill me with subtle insults. I'm not stupid. I caught that one. I see what you did there. We've got a real genius on our hands, sisters, the red-headed mermaid said from above them. However will we outthink him? Jack glared up at her. Listen, last time I talked to you three, you were all two oars short of having any oars, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> One of the mermaids holding him smacked him hard in the back of, it, of the head with her tail. That was Pan's illusion, you idiot, the blonde said as they approached the seafloor. You really believed we were that stupid? Jack looked at her and decided not to answer. Her eyes narrowed. I really wish we were going to eat you just for that. Jack suddenly felt some hope again. Wait, you're not going to? Use smaller words, sisters, the red-headed mermaid said. This one's slower than the southern current. The other two mermaids laughed a bit at that, which irritated Jack. I bet that's the fastest current in the world, he told them as they dropped into the seafloor. It, it moves backwards, the blonde told him, sitting herself on the rock to one side of him, while the brunette and redheaded redheads settled themselves around him as well, which seems about right in your case. But we didn't bring you down here to point out how unintelligent you are, the brunette said. That was more just a special treat. We need your help. And this is how you asked for it, Jack shouted. Let's eat him, the blonde said. I don't care if it does mean war. It's not worth talking to this land monkey anymore. Aren't all monkeys land monkeys, Jack asked. That's it, he's mine, the blonde said as she grabbed him and yanked him backward. Fortunately, her two sisters pulled them apart and calmed her down. Maybe you should just play what we call the quiet game, the redhead mermaid told Jack after everyone had calmed down. Jack started to speak and then just nodded. This wasn't the first time he'd had this effect on people. Pan brought us here almost 40 years ago, the brunette mermaid told him. He needed 
actors for his adventures with the children. He found us in that pirate ship above. We were begging Bluebeard to stay away from our father, the Sea King, the redhead said. Your father? Jack asked. Your mermaid princesses? He's talking, he's talking, I'm going to eat him, the blonde shouted. Yes, the brunette said, answering Jack's question while keeping a close eye on her sister. But try to stay with me. Bluebeard wants something, something our father wants to keep away from him at any cost. And when I say any cost, I mean my father would be willing to wipe out your entire species to keep this thing away from Bluebeard. Wipe us out, Jack said. But we're already staying out of the ocean, right now being a sort of exception. How could he hurt us? You don't want to know, the brunette said, shivering. He's done magical experiments with sharks that would give you nightmares. Either way, that's something you won't have to worry about as long as you keep Bluebeard away from our lands, the redhead said. This isn't a threat, it's a warning. We don't want humanity destroyed any more than you do. You're cute, like little talking pets to us. Jack narrowed his eyes and shrugged. Yeah, fair enough, we are pretty cute. So what's this thing about that the pirate's looking for, and how do I keep him away from it? The mermaids looked at one another. It's not something so much as someone, the redhead said, specifically our sister. He wants a mermaid, Jack said, eyes, eyebrows rising in surprise. Just be quiet and listen, the redhead said. Years ago, at this point, like 50 years ago, our sister fell in love with a human. Jack raised an eyebrow. A human? Isn't she half fish? Aren't you half monkey? Okay, being quiet now. <laughs> My sister loved this man so much, she decided to become human to be with him, the mermaid continued. Of course, that took magic, which in our world only the sea king knew how to do. That all changed when a fairy queen fell in love with her father and became a mermaid herself. It's actually where our sister got the stupid idea. What she didn't really think through was that it didn't work for the fairy queen and it wasn't going to work for her. I don't know, it seems like a sweet gesture, Jack said. A sweet gesture, the mermaid shouted, giving up everything you are for some man you don't even really know? Well, see, when you make it sound all bad when you say it like that. <laughs> Again, be quiet. Anyway, my sister began visiting this fairy queen who most merfolk began to call the sea witch, given that she would perform small acts of magic if you did her favors. After my father rejected her, the sea witch pushed most merfolk away. My sister being the sole exception. The mermaid paused. See? She abandoned her old life for love and had it blow up in her face. Speaking of sea witches, this one sounds fascinating, Jack said as subtly as he could. Any idea where she is now? They're kind of looking for her. Uh, I know, this is the optimum way to read a book. <laughs> you don't want to know, the mermaid said. Anyway, our sister learned some magic from her. Fairy queen magic is musical, and my sister always had a talent for singing. So she learned enough magic to give herself legs, then went looking for her human. The mermaid sighed. Needless to say, my father wasn't thrilled. In fact, he was so not thrilled with the human stealing away his youngest daughter that he went up after her, took her back, and closed off our world to humans forever. That seems a bit extreme, Jack pointed out. Welcome to my father, the mermaid said. Either way, this pirate, Bluebeard, seems to have been employed to find our sister for this human. But after many, many failures, our sister sent us to go find Bluebeard. She wanted us to deliver him a message, but just as we finally found him, Pan found us all, and here we are. What's the message, Jack asked. Are you Bluebeard? The mermaid asked him. Fair enough. The only message Bluebeard needs to hear is this. Stay away, the mermaid said. He's got some new plan involving the sea witch, but I can tell you right now it will only lead to bad things. I tell you this for the sake of your entire species. My father is powerful enough to go to war with all of humanity, and you really don't want that happening. So whatever you do, do not come after my sister, the sea witch, or anything else underwater. Do you hear me? Jack put his hand on hers, looked straight into her eyes, and gave her his most sincere expression. Loud and clear, he said, wondering if she could see how fast he planned on breaking every single one of her rules. So that's... Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, so that's the second book in the series, if you haven't heard. The first is Half Upon a Time, which sets up a lot of the stuff I was trying not to spoil. Um, and so this one mo mainly deals with Little Mermaid and a few other fairy tales, kind of like the first one did. Um, but I'm happy to take any questions now, if you have any, or requests if you want me to sing. <laughs> yes. No. It was a very simple answer, though. Anyone else? Yeah. Where did you originally get your idea? I stole it from fairy tales. It was very easy. <laughs> from growing up with Disney movies and reading the Brothers Grimm and everything, it really kind of gave me. It's. I kind of saw it as. Um, I also grew up reading comics. Uh, you probably didn't know that. Uh, and. No. And uh, what I, I really wanted to do was kind of create a universe where all of the fairy tale stories were happening the same as, say, something like The Avengers, where all these kind of different stories can come together uh, and interact and kind of mess with each other. So I thought that would be fun. Did you always know there was going to be a sequel? Yes. I actually plotted out the entire series um, because I, I really like when books set things up early on. Um, so there are things that are set up in Half Upon a Time, which pay off in Twice Upon a Time, or play, pay off in the third and final book, which will be out next summer, called Once Upon the End, because everything ends. Yeah, <laughs> it's very ominous. Um, but I thought that would be nice. So I wanted to make sure that I knew where I was going and had a specific ending in, in mind, especially because each book ends with a cliffhanger, which is kind of rude to do to people if you're not going to know where you're going with it. Anyone else? Baby? Did you find it hard to plot that out? Um, it took a while. It, it was kind of, it was just one of those things where it didn't feel right to start writing unless I knew where I was going. So it was, it was kind of easy because I wasn't, I was working on something else at the time and I was just plotting where these books were going to go and that other book turned out to be horrible. So it made this very easy. Um, so it was kind of an ongoing thing as I was working on something else and then when I had that solidified I started working on Half Upon a Time, which was like six years ago at this point. So it's been a little while. Um, and now I'm writing the third book, so it's kind of nice. Anyone else? Cool. Um, so now if you would like a copy or if you would like to buy any other fine books in this establishment to support Skylight, uh, I will totally, I actually can sign F. Scott Fitzgerald books really well. Yeah. Thank you. You have been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.